Welcome to Success Secrets, the podcast where we dive into the inspiring stories of individuals who have overcome obstacles and achieved remarkable success in their professional lives. Join us as we sit down with entrepreneurs, executives, and trailblazers from diverse backgrounds who have broken down barriers and shattered glass ceilings. We explore their journeys, strategies, and insights and learn how they've navigated the challenges, persevered through setbacks, and reached their goals. Get ready to be inspired and empowered by the powerful stories of resilience, determination, and discover their secrets to success. We are excited to kick things off with our first ever season called Women in Fintech. In this captivating series, we will uncover the secrets to success from some of the most influential women in the fintech industry. Today, we are honored to have the amazing Gemma Livermore as our guest. With over 20 years of experience in the fintech marketing sector, Gemma is truly a trailblazer in the industry. She's not only the head of international FS marketing at Seismic, but also the visionary founder of Women of Fintech, a thriving community that unites over 4,000 women and impacts an audience of over 14,000. Gemma excels in community building and storytelling, leaving a lasting mark on the fintech landscape. Join us as we explore Gemma's incredible journey, her insights into fintech marketing, and her role in empowering women within the industry. Hi, Gemma. Welcome to the show. It's such a pleasure to have you on, finally. Thank you. Yeah, it's taken us a while, but I'm glad we got here. (laughs) Yes, yes. Better late than never. (laughs) Exactly, yes, yes. The stars have aligned. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, So, You've had an amazing, um, remarkable journey already in fintech. Um, I, I just want to ask you a few questions that, to, to get an understanding of your background and everything and how you got interested in the fintech industry. So could you tell us a little bit about that and and how you got interested in the fintech industry? Yeah, of course. Um, I, I came into it um, almost by chance, actually. I didn't um, look to get into the fintech industry as such. I fell into it. Um, but then my career snowballed into where it is now. Um, so I started off in uh, recruitment. In At the time, it wasn't even called fintech. It was called IT banking. So quite a chunky word. Wow. <laughs> we didn't have a cool <laughs> name for it back then. Um, that was in the early 2000s. Um, And it's really interesting now being a marketer, having had a sales background, because marketing now is very much focused on that lead gen pipeline and so on. And so having that ability to create a call to action is is invaluable, as it seems now. So it's a nice way to have come into it. Um, I quickly went in from sales into business development across Europe, um, realized that I loved breaking into new regions with companies. So... Um, starting from scratch in terms of that branding and brand awareness and making them known in a new region. Um, I then did five years over in the Middle East, helping companies to set up over there as well. So a couple of years in Qatar and then two and a half years in Abu Dhabi, which again, just gave me that idea of how you can convey a company into a new region. Because I think sometimes people think it's all about um, just a translation side of things but it's not it's real localization is really understanding the audience and that community and how you can adapt something to fit and so that was really interesting as well um in terms of women of fintech and how i fell into that um i've got lots of children 
ridiculously lots of children <laughs> my partner and I've got six between us um so when I was you know I've been in banking as I say for over 20 years now and over that time I've seen banking go up exponentially in terms of how you can bank you know all these funky new apps biometrics the way that you can pay with your ring your glasses and so on and that was all really exciting to see that trajectory of how it was raising its game but in terms of being a working parent in particular a working woman um, who had children it was really really difficult to get that flexibility to come back to work it seemed very much that it was a hard and fast rule that you had to almost pretend you didn't have children and that you could still fit into that regime of working within finance um, and it was very hard so I, at the time I was following a photographer on Facebook called Humans of New York and he literally took people's photos and told their story um, and being someone who can't sit still um, should have been relaxing on maternity leave with my form <laughs> but, uh, felt like I needed to do something um, so I started telling women's stories in that same vein you know showing their photo and telling their stories and interviewing them like similar to what we're doing now so mm-hmm. love what you're doing here with the podcast um, and it, at the same time, I set up Humans of Fintech as well as Women of Fintech. Humans of Fintech only grew to 72 people and Women of Fintech grew to over 2,000 during my maternity leave. Wow. And so just skyrocketed organically. And I realized, you know, I wasn't the only one that thought these things, particularly pre-COVID. I mean, COVID's been fantastic for offering flexibility and a real game changer. But pre that, you know, this was frustrating. Um at the same time, I had been put forward for an award in Women, of fin- women in Fintech list with Innovate Finance. Um, and the room was full of all these, you know, very intelligent women all having the same problems. And yet we all left um, frustrated with the same issues. And it felt very much like it was a, you know, preaching to the converted, but with no tool for us to go out and change it and mm-hmm. to make that difference and so with women of fintech what i wanted to do is get all of those minds together to make a difference to actually say right this is what we can do collectively to make a real difference we're not having these same conversations in 10 years in 20 years and so on and that's by no means you know uh, a negative to innovate finance who do a fantastic job at highlighting the women out there you know it's it's really good but what i wanted to do is with women of fintech add to that and create this momentum of where we can do something to make a change. And so we do lots of STEM projects on the back and it was set up so that every time that there was an event, there was a STEM project on the back of it to make a a ripple effect change for the future. So for example, getting um, young girls who weren't necessarily going into finance some work experience or to set up mentorship programs or even during covid what we did is we got banks and fintechs to give in their old computers and laptops so that they could access their learning from home during covid to help with that social mobility side as well um we've done the first fintech pride event and that's been running now for three years which has grown exponentially so you know there's lots that we've done in that time Oh, that's so lovely. And and yeah, Women of Fintech, it's it's so great that you're trying and, and you are creating change and you are building, bringing the community of, of Women of Fintech together. And I think that's really important as well, because yeah, like, like, like you and like everyone else, I've had the same issues as, and as long as we work together and we create more awareness and we speak out and, and we 
do things to actually create change, then that's when change is going to happen, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've had a really remarkable journey already in fintech and also played a pivotal role of building the women in fintech community. And of course, it's yours. Um, can you share your insights on how marketing and community building go hand in hand and how they've contributed to your success in the industry? Yeah, of course. Um, I get asked this question a lot. And the way that I describe it is that marketing is your voice and community is your audience. So there's no point speaking to yourself. You know, they have to go hand in hand. Um, But at the same time, you have to have something worth saying to build a community. You know, people don't want to be part of something that they get nothing from at the end of the day. And so I've seen a lot of communities fall flat in that respect, where it's all about taking and not giving back as well. Um, I'd say that I would um, recommend what I was told actually at the beginning of my career when I was in sales, which is that you should listen twice as much as you speak. Um, And actually, the guy that used to say that to me would say, that's why you've only got two ears and one mouth. (laughs) Um, But it's true, you know, you listen to your audience and you can hear what it is they need from a community, then you can build that into the community to make it a success. Um, One of the reasons that Women of Fintech has been a huge success is that there's no commercial agenda. Everyone gets from it as much as they give. And so then people want to give back because Mm -hmm. they know they've taken and then they can give and pay it forward to somebody else. Um, And it's simply a group of, you know, women helping each other and allies wanting to help them as well. So it just builds in that real community side if you like as well Um, and recently I've moved over to Seismic to build an FS community for them as well and that's very much focused on the go-to-market teams within financial services so there I've looked very much at how we can help those go-to-market teams build in their careers so give back to them as well Mm -hmm. and so yesterday um, as an example we had one of our first FS breakfast meetings and it was aimed at CMOs within asset management companies and so we listened to what they wanted which was to support them in their careers and gave a really interactive workshop which taught them some extra skills within social marketing and so it's that give back piece that I think really builds and where it's supported me you know I I didn't build it to support me, but I think it just with karma you give and you get. Yeah, you know, yeah absolutely. Um, so it has supported me and it's been fantastic, but it's been just as valuable for me to support those other women as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I think that's uh, that's really amazing. And giving back and if your purpose is to give back and you're going to get good things back in return, aren't you? Exactly. And and even if you don't, you just get a really nice feeling from having yeah. made a real difference. Yeah, you know, it's, um, exactly. It makes you feel it's, good. Yeah. It's, you know, it's been really nice to have people come to me and say, you know, you helped me at this point and this is how I've got here um, and stories that I wouldn't have otherwise known. And it's just really nice to think that I'm making a difference and especially with children that hopefully they won't have these same barriers to entry that, yeah. you know, I've had or other people have had. Yeah. And that's so lovely that you are working from the root as well, which is from children and you're helping yeah. them to grow and, and to build their confidence and everything like that. And I feel like in order to create change for the next generation, it does have to start there, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. And, you know, because as I say, otherwise we will be having these exact same problems. <laughs> and, yeah. um, I, you know, I find it crazy that 
I've literally had the same conversations in the last year that I remember having 20 years ago at the beginning of my career. And it seems ridiculous that those same still issues going on. Yeah. are still going on. So unless we make that, you know, let's solve the root problem, it will yeah, continue. So solve the root problem, exactly. Yeah. Um, can you share a time when you face significant challenge in your career or in, in your uh, women of fintech community and how you overcame it? Um, yeah, I'd say the biggest um, challenge that I faced is actually having kids. I mentioned mm-hmm. it, I touched on it earlier. Um, it was very difficult to find a role that would be flexible for me. So I had to go into contracting and consulting for a long time, which was fairly easy because I had built a network of people over my career that I could then work with. But it was also frustrating knowing that there was a career break as such, as in I couldn't follow that usual ladder or that usual trajectory that someone who was a male counterpart could have. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, yeah, it was very frustrating um, and a real challenge. But, you know, I know I'm not the only person to have faced those challenges and you know I don't see them as personal challenges as such just industry ones and it's been really nice as I say trying to make that difference for the future but you know I'd be playing it down if I was to say it wasn't an issue because it really was Mm -hmm. um even down to when I was setting up women of fintech um I need you know it's a non-commercial community but it needed a certain amount of money to kickstart it to um set up events to fund events um to set up you know even down to um keeping everyone's data secure for gdpr all of that has a general cost to it um and so i went out to try and fundraise to get that started and considering how many companies um within fs were talking about diversity and inclusion at that time and openly shouting about how much they supported it it was crazy how few people wanted to put their hand in their pocket to support it. They wanted to have the accolade of supporting it by talking about it on LinkedIn. But when it came to, okay, here's a genuine thing you can support, it was very difficult. Um, And even down to, you know, some some people said, how, you know, why would we invest in you? Because you have four children, like you're not investable. And so it's very, um, that was a real challenge as well. Did did they actually tell you that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah, that's an actual quote. Oh my God, that's (laughs) But on the flip side, you know, um, there were some people who really did support me during that time as well. Um, and actually, it was the majority men who stepped up to support me in that time as well, which I think is really important to shout about because I think sometimes people assume women of fintech is only women. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of male allies out there yeah, who there are. want that diversity and equality as well. Yeah. And so, yeah had some really good support from um, Simon Paris, who's CEO over at Fernastra, um, Matt Smith, who's founder of SteelEye, um, and also Ramsey, who runs Athlon. He created our website for us, which was oh, fantastic. Amazing. So, yeah. you know, although there were negatives, it's also important to point out that there were some people that really stepped up to it yeah. as well. And that was great. Yeah, I think it's important to actually recognise the, the male allies as well, because it's not I think a lot of the time, sometimes you see on LinkedIn and everywhere else that we're bashing men, but we're not. And and I think yeah. as long as we all work together um, and we highlight that there are really good men in the industry that are that are supporting us, um, maybe there could be other men as well that would start following suit as well. Yeah, and that's it. It's, you know, it's, 
in the same way that it's a community of people coming together, it really is a community effort to make that change. Um, and so I think we need to change that narrative on it to be positive and to say, you know, this is a positive effect for all of us to make this change, not just for women. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a community effort, not just women doing it. It's, it's everyone. And the fact that the fact is that the majority of the industry is men. So if we are going to make a change, then they also need to jump on board with us. And so I think it's also essential to praise the ones that are on board with us as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so building a strong personal brand can be a powerful asset. Uh, how have you leveraged your expertise in marketing to establish your brand identity and, and your personal brand as well and become a recognized figure in the fintech and women in fintech industry? Yeah. So. Um... I didn't start out trying to as much as um, <laughs> this probably come back to bite me because I'm, you know, constantly trying to tell people to build their personal brand. <laughs> um, but I didn't start out that way. You know, it wasn't it, it was very much storytelling of other people uh, where it started. And I really had to go outside my comfort zone to talk about myself. Um, even now, when I talk about how I set up Women of Fintech, I say we even though it was just me, although I had you. help, it, mm-hmm. it was it, just you, me that set it up. You're the founder and, and just and the yeah, founder. I still, yeah, yeah. In, even that I find difficult to say. I end up yeah. saying we because I find it braggy <laughs> to say I did it because yeah. it just comes awkwardly. Um, so it, it wasn't natural and it was hard. And I think, um, you know, with all of the influencers out there, you get some real negative connotations when you think of personal branding. Um, for me, I stepped outside my comfort zone, realizing that I had to speak for people that didn't have a voice. Mm-hmm. And if I genuinely wanted to make a change, that I had to, because I had a podium, I had to have my voice heard mm-hmm. to make a, to help others. And so I fed off of that. Um, and that's how it helped. And it was all, you know, and the way it has helped is because I think it then was genuine. Yeah. It got heard more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and rather than me just doing a personal brand to help myself, it was very much to help others. And so it grew naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say when you're doing your personal branding, think very much about what you truly believe in. So it's not disingenuous. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to follow the masses. You can't look at someone else and go, right, that's how they do it. Let me try and follow suit because it won't come across as genuine and it will just all go wrong people will see right <laughs> through that as well yourself. yeah exactly you know yeah. um it's it's you know uh, I know there was a time where I tried not to giggle so much on stage and things because it's like nerves it just happens whereas then I was like actually I just need to embrace it that's me mm-hmm. <laughs> so it just <laughs> who I am. now it happens yeah <laughs> um so I think it's that part that helps is just being yourself and being true to yourself constantly and that consistency and that true side is what will give you your true personal branding and help you yeah so aligning with what you believe in and your values right exactly and you know it doesn't have to always be what you do as a job Mm -hmm. you know personal branding can be something you're passionate about and then you can align it to your role. It doesn't have to be, right, this is my product that I'm selling. So my personal brand will be all about that. Mm-hmm. Because there will become a time when you don't work for that company. And your personal brand is to stay with you for your career, not mm. for that company. And so it's 
being as true to yourself as you can possibly be. And I think that that then helps you get the right job as well in the future. Mm -hmm. And then that, you know, makes your whole work-life balance work. It just fits into everything because it's, yeah. Yeah, your personal brand is there to stay with you for the whole of your career. It's not just one through one company through there. It's always going to stay with you, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So it has to be one that you can carry through with your career. So when I help people look at their own personal branding, I help them to look at what their passions are, but also where they want to be Mm -hmm. and to look at it in that way as well. And, you know, shout out to um, who I work with, um, who helps me with mine and or with my confidence to push mine which is I work with a lady called Rosie Dalling who uh, runs Boost and she helps a lot of women within our community to think about who they want to be and how to become that person but also about how to break down those barriers that are holding you back as well. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I love the fact that you mentioned that because you already have a podium you want to raise your voice for the people that don't actually have a voice at the moment because maybe they don't well they don't have the influence and and maybe they don't feel comfortable enough sharing it either but they would love to have been able to share it so it's being that voice for people that don't have a voice isn't it yeah completely and um I was talking to another lady within the community Tina Valland who works over Accenture and we were talking about the things that we've been through to get to where we are now although at the beginning of our career we wouldn't have wanted to share them by the time we get to where we are now we're confident enough to share them knowing it won't make a dent on where we are Mm -hmm. but that's not always the way and Tina does a lot for social mobility as well and really uses her voice and that again made me think actually I need to be that voice for people of who I was when I was younger to help them move forward. Yeah, exactly. And it's same for me as well, because when I first started in the industry at 19, 18, um, I was told shocking things like women don't belong in this industry or women are shit at their jobs. And it's at the time, obviously, I never spoke out about it. I didn't really say much. Uh, but now that I can and, and now that I have an influence to do that, I, I always share and, and raise awareness around um, yeah. how women should be treated and, and what's fair and what's not. And and how it's unacceptable as well. Um, Exactly. And, you know, the audience won't see that I'm nodding along there, but um, the sad part of that is that I don't even find it shocking you were told that. Yeah. um, Because I've heard it so often and heard just as shocking things myself. And that's, I think that's the sad part in talking to women is that there's, um, you know, you're not shocked by what you (laughs) you're not shocked exactly yeah yeah and I think as long as we create awareness around it and just share our story then it's going to encourage people to speak up when they are experiencing that and I think that's how we can create change as well exactly yeah yeah um okay fantastic and what role do you think mentorship and networking play in the success of women entrepreneurs and women of fintech I'm sure this will be a great question yeah yeah (laughs) yeah no I think um I think just naturally as women we like to sound bored (laughs) and hear off each other and so I think mentorship and networking comes naturally um in that you know we want to just say right this is what I'm thinking what do you think and you learn from each other but you also get that confidence from each other as well Mm -hmm. um and mentorship I love mentorship but I also love that different 
areas of mentorship where you can be mentored from somebody who's at the beginning of their career or sidewards mentoring from people in other industries rather than always looking to you who's above you and mm-hmm. getting there I think you can learn sometimes even more um, by looking downwards and yeah. working with somebody who's just starting out in their career and what they're looking at Oh, I love that. Yeah. it's And you can also get a lot of ideas from them as well and a new fresh perspective too. Exactly. And that's it. It's that going back to that listening piece, you know, challenging yourself enough to listen to everybody around you rather than assuming what you've done till now has worked and will always work. It's that piece of you have to move with the times. So listen to everyone around you from all different angles, mm-hmm. piece together that information and then use it collectively. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's really great information. And, and I completely agree with what you, what you said as well. And um, on to advice. So what advice would you give to women who are just starting their careers in fintech? Uh, join women of fintech (laughs) (laughs) no i'd say yeah (laughs) no i'd say um join a community um look for mentorship but as i say don't just look in one direction look around you see think about what you what you're missing whether it be confidence or knowledge or um even a door being opened you know everyone will be missing something different look for what it is that you're missing and then go to a community to seek that because you can't always find it from one person. Whereas actually, if you go to a community, um, like we have a, um, a very active social WhatsApp group and people will constantly ask for some help in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and although one person might not be able to help, someone else will or they direct you in the right direction. Um, so I would say do that. But I'd also say give back as much as you take. Not that you have to give it straight away, but remember the things you were handed and try and pay it forward in some way because I think that's always how it helps and how it works oh I love that yeah so giving back is yeah I I think in order to get ahead it also feels good to to give back as well and it, it shows that you're making an effort and and creating change and I think that's it's it's lovely to to help other exactly. people yeah yeah and it does make that change for the future as well you know exactly, all, yeah. we're all growing together yeah amazing and for uh, aspiring women entrepreneurs and and women who are just starting in their um, fintech career what role do you believe effective marketing plays in the early stages of launching a business or initiative uh really important you know and going back to that piece where even when you've got a well-known brand and you're going into somewhere new it's that same piece of brand awareness of how people know who you are and what you can do Um, and storytelling I think is the most powerful piece of marketing that anyone can use at that stage Mm -hmm. Um, you know storytelling it's it's as old as humanity you know we've used it forever like look at um, the stories through religion that have followed through thousands of years and we're still telling them today Um, storytelling is part of who we are as humanity so it works you know mm-hmm. we're all used to it so it's not like you're reinventing the wheel but you're using something that everyone is used to and everyone knows how to listen to as well um, and it really does allow you to tell people what problem it is that you're solving um, but it also helps you to understand where you can progress 
because in that storytelling mode, when you're listening to other people's stories as well, you can see the parts that have, perhaps you can solve in the future as well. So it allows you to grow and develop in that way. Um, but I think, again, a bit like the personal branding, it's being as genuine as possible and continuous as possible. I think the mistake a lot of startups make or at the beginning of a business is that constant pivoting to try and go after the money, which is always mm -hmm. very attractive when you're setting up a business. But in that, you'll end up looking disingenuous because mm -hmm. you're constantly changing your narrative or changing who you are. And that, I think, is more damaging than anything else that you could do. Mm -hmm. And I understand that companies do need to grow and have that money. But I think if you set your your sort of Polaris very early on of who you are and who you want to be and you follow that, mm -hmm. then that's much more valuable. Yeah, definitely. So it's establishing the company's values from an early stage, right? And following through with that in your marketing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's really good advice. Mm -hmm. Um, could you share a specific example of a marketing campaign uh, or an initiative that had a significant impact on your community and businesses' growth and what made it successful? Yeah, um, so I think it's always good to have somebody known validate you in marketing. Mm -hmm. You know, we use it all the time with business in terms of um, customers or clients giving references and saying, you know, I verify that this is a good person. We do it in everything in what we buy and what we use and what we consume. Um, and I think marketing is very much the same. As well as you telling what you do, people won't believe it unless somebody validates it. And that's, mm -hmm. again, just human nature, isn't it? We yeah, want yeah, to yeah. know that Absolutely. other people do. Um, and so a specific example of that is that when I set up Women of Fintech, we had um, an inaugural event, which was uh, we had Anne Bowden talking. She did a fireside oh, chat. Amazing. Yeah. I love her. It was incredible. Yeah. That's it was, so it was good. So, honestly, like I loved her before, but after her talk, she spoke very openly and very candidly about how she set up Starling Bank. Mm -hmm. um, the event was a sellout. We had people standing. We had to turn people away because we could only fit so many people into the event. Yeah, I can imagine. Everyone um, probably yeah. wanted to come. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Finastra hosted it for us. I mentioned earlier about their support. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, but having that, you know, powerful woman in our industry talking at that first event and not just talking, but talking really openly about her own journey, that was a huge piece of marketing that helped us to launch and to be known. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was that was one that I was very, yeah, very proud that, of to see I mean, how it worked. That's an amazing campaign. I love that. And yeah, I'm sure it really helped to skyrocket a woman of fintech as well. Yeah, it really did. And, you know, people, I still meet people today who talk about the things that they heard that at uh, that fireside chat and how they've used it within their industry, which is great. Oh, I would love to see that chat. Is it recorded or no? We have little video clips that were on oh, okay. LinkedIn. So if you scroll back on uh, the Women of Fintech LinkedIn page, you will see it on there. Um, but we didn't record it as a whole yeah, um, because yeah, we yeah. wanted it to be very candid. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. More so, exclusive as well. Exactly. But yeah, there are little clips that you'll okay. see. I'll have a look. I'll have a look. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, I love that. That's, that's really good advice as well. So essentially leveraging on people who, who are in the industry and have already made it and, and they, they could actually help to boost your brand, right? Yeah. You it mean? could be a customer. It could be somebody that 
you know, believes in what you're doing and can see the problem you're trying to solve. It could be um, that it's someone who is an influencer who, again, buys into what you're doing. People do it with board members. You know, it's just that validation piece of using someone to say as a testimonial, this is, you know, I also believe in this. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. This is this is what we have and you can trust us, right? It builds credibility. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. And on to the next one. Looking ahead, uh, what marketing trends or strategies do you anticipate will shape the future of fintech and how are you preparing to leverage them for continuous growth? So I, you know, I think storytelling, as I say, I think it's just yeah. not used enough and yet when you look at the amount of new products that are coming up that are solving issues there has to be that storytelling mode I think fintech has fallen very much into that area where everything has to fall within a box and have a trendy name you know you've got fintech paytech regtech but there are new solutions coming through that don't have a name Mm-hmm. And so the only way to explain them is through that storytelling mode. And innovation is bringing up such amazing solutions to problems that don't fit into any of those boxes unless there is that storytelling mode. It just won't work. And I think post-COVID, people really pull into that community side. You know, there was a there was a time where we were all siloed in our own homes and we missed that community piece of working together and so I've seen a big trend towards community since COVID and so like I said earlier you need both of those pieces together to tell your story you need an audience so storytelling and community I think are the two two big parts. Storytelling Uh, when you say storytelling do you mean like sharing the founder's story or sharing your own personal story what what would you say in terms of storytelling? It depends what you're trying what message you're trying to convey um i think it's always good to tell the founder's story because especially if you're a startup or a solution that isn't known um even if you're a brand that's coming into a new area by telling the founder's story you know where it begins um so for example when i um, was interviewing at seismic one of the parts that really appealed to me from a marketing angle was the fact that i'd be coming in to head up fs for EMEA, which is a new region for for them for Mm -hmm. FS but actually although they've got clients in all different areas the product was initially made for the finance industry so to me I look at that and think that's a great storytelling piece Mm -hmm. you know what a great way to say this was created for your industry Mm -hmm. and so it's that kind of thing so you're looking at what it is what message you're trying to convey what problem you're trying to solve but yes you know how it started is always a good place to start at the end of the day isn't it yeah it's that genesis story of yeah like going from the beginning um so yes to how it's set up and how the founder's story is but more importantly it's what knowledge you have so quite often my storytelling and my thought leadership is on diversity or marketing because that's where i know Mm -hmm. i wouldn't try and tell a story on how to build something from a technical angle because I've never yeah. worked there yeah, and that yeah. I just wouldn't, <laughs> yes, I wouldn't be able to tell that story. Expertise, and yeah. so yeah it's telling the story that you can help others mm-hmm. what what is it that you can give back what is it that you can teach somebody what is it that you can help somebody with um and what I think is really nice about the whole industry is that it's gone from 
an area where everyone kind of hid their homework <laughs> to um, now people share. You know, I've been in rooms where large banks have shared their experiences together in order to oh, know what good. has worked and yeah. how to move forward. Um, and it's interesting because you'll see one say, oh, wow, I thought that was a big bank problem or I thought that was a small bank problem. And actually, mm -hmm. it's just an industry problem. Let's work together and figure out how we can solve it. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I would say storytelling, you have to think of what, what it is that you can, don't just tell a story for story's sake, what's interesting about it. What is it that you're trying to solve? What is it that you're trying to help people with? Because that's what people want to hear is they want to listen to something that is going to help mm -hmm. them. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. It's Yeah, I think storytelling is really impactful as well because people want to be entertained when they're reading things as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, Not yeah. just this is what we do, this is how we do it, blah, blah, blah. It's like yeah. going into a story where people can feel it like emotions right it's yeah intriguing. and it's also important to tell the bad stories as well and that's what was so powerful with the Anne Bowden fireside that I mentioned earlier she told of her failures and actually you learn as much by listening to what people have done that failed as you do by listening to people what they've done that has been successful yeah that's true because you can fail fast yourself then mm -hmm. you can avoid fail those forward. and you can yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, yeah, that's just as important. So I'd say, yeah. remember that when you're storytelling to also tell the bad parts, the bad because parts, people yeah. will want to hear that as well. Oh, I love that. That's a really good piece of advice as well. And I feel like people are almost, they almost shy away from telling their failures because they don't want to be seen differently. They want, they have a certain image that they yeah, want to uphold. Exactly. And I think, but I think that actually when you tell those the, the failures it makes you more real and trustable yeah, yeah and so, so actually true. in a strange way I think it upholds your um your your like I don't know your trustworthiness or <laughs> however you want it to makes put you, it. It, I, yeah I, I agree because whenever real. I hear yeah it makes you real and <laughs> yeah credible and people will buy I think people will buy into that as well because mm. it, it shows that you are human and yeah. you're not just a, a, a face on the computer on LinkedIn for example you are a human with real issues and, and failures and, and you didn't just start from success. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's really, yeah, really powerful. Very powerful. Yeah. Great, great piece of advice there. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Gemma, what's next for you and your career or, and, and women in fintech and what are you most excited about right now? Uh, well, I'm two weeks into my new job, so <laughs> excited about that at the moment. Yeah. It's been, yeah, it's, um, it's always, you know, in that honeymoon period, it's always very exciting, isn't it, to uh, mm -hmm. get your teeth into something new. Um, where I want my career to go, um, you know, I've always wanted to make a difference. Um, when I was speaking to Rosie, who I mentioned earlier, who I soundboard off on how to boost my career, if you like, it she quite often talks about um, where you see yourself or what you would want someone to say about you. And I, you know, my motivation is that I would like to have made a real difference. I don't want to have just, you know, pushed through my career and said, okay, I earn X amount and here I am and blah, blah, blah. I'd like to have finished my career to know that I've made a real difference for the next generation coming through, that I've made their lives easier or that I've made their paths easier or helped them to climb a ladder somewhere or mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So that's where I would like it to go is that I've helped more people 
And, I love um, that. Yeah. So ma- truly making a difference and, and being impactful. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That's. I think that's the best thing that you can do in, in life, I would say, making a yeah. difference. Yeah. Yeah. Feels Great. like it. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, so last question, what's one piece of advice would you have loved to have been able to give your 20-year-old self if you could? Um, God, that's really difficult. Um, I would say to find, find your tribe quite early on. Um, there weren't communities Mm -hmm. when I started off in my career. Um, it didn't exist, you know, social media wasn't around as much. So you didn't have that ability to create a community or tap into a community um so I would have said to have tried to find that quite early on and in some ways I did um you know I'm still very close to a lot of the people that I worked with at that stage um and still soundboard off them now even to this day Um, yeah but I'd say yeah that's that would have been my one piece of advice because although you work with a certain set of people, if you move through your career into different organizations, if you've found that community externally, that can follow you through as well. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So finding a tribe early on and yeah, finding that community, I think that's super important. Yeah. Amazing. So we're just coming to, end, to an end of the podcast. I just have a few quick fun fire questions. Yeah, um, go for it. What's your favorite book? <laughs> oh god that's so hard if you could see over my shoulder now you'd see I've got hundreds and you wouldn't have asked me <laughs> um catcher in the rye catcher uh, in the an oldie eye. but a gooder, gooder nice. yeah nice um favorite food sushi all the sushi, time oh yeah good choice good choice uh favorite quote oh um okay I'll go with Oscar Wilde we're all in the gutter but some of us are looking at the stars <laughs> oh that's so nice that's really good um most inspiring person oh that's hard um god that's really difficult isn't it um <laughs> I struggle here because I find so many people inspiring uh-huh. <laughs> um yeah you know what there's so many people um uh, I'll go with uh, I'll go with my partner because she can probably hear me in the other room. <laughs> She's the CEO of a domestic abuse charity, so she genuinely Aww. is making a difference. So, oh, wow. That's yeah, amazing. That, that's oh, that's a perfect yeah. answer. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's that's so sweet. Not, that, she, she sounds amazing. <laughs> okay, so thank you so much for coming on to this podcast, Gemma. It's been such an honor to have you and, and learn your words of wisdom and all your experience it's it's been really amazing thank you so much no thanks for having me and sorry it took so long (laughs) no problem no problem all right thanks Bye. bye